destino para ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 50 for Sunday, April 27th, 2014. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And I am John Younger. And we are the team behind the upcoming documentary film, Identifying Nelson, Buscando a Roberto. To learn more, head on over to inbarfilm.com. You can learn more about the film and sign up for updates. All right, John. Number so this 50. episode's, yeah, it's an anniversary of sorts. I mean, it's technically, as you said, a year would be May 5th, but we've done 50, 50 podcasts and taken two weeks off, so it would be like 52 weeks of doing a podcast. Yeah, so a whole year, which I should point out, you know, John and I are, the, I guess, creative types, and so I'd say that consistency is sometimes hard. <laughs> is that a fair thing to say? <laughs> So I remember when we started this, yeah. we had a big sort of knockdown drag out about whether it would be a video podcast or an audio podcast. Yeah. And, and you had suggested audio. And uh, thank goodness, because sometimes I have bad hair days. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're doing 50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy with this milestone for us because, you know, we've been doing it for a year. I feel like the podcast has added a lot to both the conversation, but also it's helped with writing and thinking through what we're trying to say and different elements of this project. Definitely. I mean, I, it's helped at, at times just keep in constant. I mean, of course, for you, you wake up and as we're the reason we're doing the documentary, you wake up with two identities every day, right? But, uh, but even so, I mean, with the ebb and flow of life, it just keeps you in touch with what, why we're doing this. And, and then especially, I found it really rewarding to get to talk to all the different members of your family and also several of your peers and, and then people who have worked on these issues. Um, we could name them all, but it would take a while and they're in the list. But, <laughs> but it, it's been really neat to be in touch and get to know a little better um, a lot of really interesting people. All right, so episode 50, uh, what are we going to talk about today? So we had thought for a milestone we should do something neat, I guess is the <laughs> word. And uh, I, I wanted to bring it back to how I first got interested in in working with you, which was that I we reconnected on Facebook and... I didn't understand why you were no longer just Nelson. You were you had a slash in your name, like <laughs> Cordell Stewart of the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure there was a link or something on Facebook to your blog, and also on your blog there was this ebook of the Anna's Miracle ebook, which is 24 yeah. pages of of. Uh, words and pictures that you and your brother and sister wrote? Yeah, so to, to back up a little bit, I think we actually reconnected in 2008, and I almost didn't accept the friend request because I didn't recognize the name, but we had friends in common like Josh Lieberman, and uh, you know, I was like, oh, you must be from camp. And then, then you wrote me a note um, you know, saying that you were my camp counselor, and, um, and I, I, I think... Two years went by, and 
over that time, I was posting on Anna's Miracle and I would do, I, I don't know how often, um, but, you know, consistency again, every, every couple of months or something, I would write, you know, uh, part of the story down. And the ebook that you're referring to was, I think at one point, I compiled all the blog posts and tried to, tried to make it. This was more. before we reconnected. Ebook. Yeah, or or it was in that time period that that I I just compiled all the posts that I had been writing and tried to make it more accessible by you know mm -hmm. having a story around it and and that's what you found. Yeah, and then for literally for like two or three years we just the initial impetus was I loved your blog and I wanted to be helpful you know to to doing it because there were some interviews and. And stuff like that that I just thought I could be helpful with. And then the documentary came several years later. I remember, I, I think it was in early 2010 when we started talking more that I had been doing kind of online broadcasting interviews, just kind of playing around with video for the first time. And you, having worked in video, offered your services <laughs> or you, you offered to help out and you even sent some of your audio equipment and you know you were which you're... you still have yeah yeah <laughs> which is good like i think it if we ever want to do an interview on the fly it should live with you but yeah you know i was doing it and it was very it, you always say it was very raw and rough but I was just kind of experimenting with things and and uh i guess some of that resonated with you Mm hmm Definitely. I mean, I, I got into film and television because I was a history major in college and thought that I would get to work on a lot of documentaries and they would be like small thesis projects. I learned the craft and now I feel like I'm getting to apply the craft to something I'm passionate about. Yeah, so we... Uh... Look at you. This is like you interviewing me. <laughs> yeah. I'm flipping. You, you know my story pretty well too at this point, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. So, but I think it's it's interesting. You wanted to talk about the Anna's Miracle ebook and kind of the the genesis of this whole project and the whole idea, and it's kind of coming at a point where we're working on the second crowdfunding campaign. And one of the things I'm I'm you know looking for you to say on camera is why you got involved with this project. So, you know, I thought it was a good topic for today. And I'd say, you know, that Anna's Miracle blog, I mean, this is one of the most comprehensive things on it. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of the other things are an interview with individual people, right? But this is the 24 pages of uh, of walking us through what's happened in your life surrounding your disappearance and your adoption and your reunion and, and it's from several perspectives and it's yeah. a pretty amazing document you know you've said this to me before that the you got the sense that i was always going to be telling that story uh, yeah I, I i knew that yeah but even even though it was a bit rough around the edges. I think that's kind of the, the point you were trying to make. Well, and well, uh, for instance, like I remember a particular interview I think you did with your mom, Margaret, where the audio didn't really work, right? 
and but it was up on the blog, damn it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, substance is, was the most important thing. And, and if 10% of it worked and your family could hear it, then it was going to be up there, you know, and that's great. It's important. Yeah. It's 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 uh, the, what's being said in in that interview and others is is uh, is important. Is more important than the the style. And so and, I was just trying to help with the style so it would come through a little better. Yeah, and well, you know, when you propose this topic, I, I thought of what you were saying there, and one thing that I learned, I think, along the way, while doing this project and other projects was you kind of have to start somewhere. And I think people get caught up on wanting it to be perfect from the very beginning. And I have a bias towards action. I want to be doing (laughs) things, right? Even if it's not very good. And and, this is the main, well, this document, first of all, the Anna's Miracle ebook is great. So I I don't want to qualify it with that right right yeah um it's great like i reread it today and i like wow like so much of the story is there and is right and is it's great but yes it, we do have a, a back and forth where you just want to go and i just want to cross 16 t's and dot 15 i's and... right yeah and I, I think that's what makes it work too i have come to appreciate the value of crossing some of those t's and mm-hmm. dotting the i's and that kind of thing uh, so th- there's this balance, and I think that that push and pull is what moves us forward. I-, I think because you always want it to be perfect, and I'm always saying let's get it done. You know, and that tension, you know, because at-, at some point you have to ship, you have to put stuff into the world. And I agree with you that the the higher quality it is, the more accessible it is to people. You know, like that's one thing that I've really learned throughout this process. So, um, you know, I look back at that ebook and it, it, you know, it wasn't designed very well. And maybe people now would go back and, and overlook it. But I think that you're right. The substance is all there. I, I don't, I think, yeah, I, I mean, okay. You know, you've done some internet projects like a, a Kickstarter guide where you hired a designer and it looks beautiful. It looks like you could go pick it up at, off the shelf at Barnes and Noble, but just because this has like boxes around dialogue and you know I, I don't know I, I don't have well, a problem it, with it like okay it's simple but it's this is a really neat um, ebook and so let's talk about it yeah <laughs> but I think it's part of the process it's part of the evolution you, you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you have to you have to put out the ugly ebook before you can you know do something of, of higher quality, I guess, you know, and I've actually thought about maybe going back and cleaning that up and, and making it look a lot nicer and doing something with it. I don't know if I will or not, but you know, like, I wouldn't Yeah, just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool. And let, let's, uh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes as always. So yeah, you can go I, check I think it out. It'd be great if people are interested to check it out. Yeah. So it, it starts with introductions by your sister Ava and your brother Toto, and then there's a lot of writing and pictures that basically bring people through your story as you understood it at the time. And I think this is constantly evolving, right? But it, there's 
there's a lot there. I mean, it's really dense, and it's all it's just from one thing to the next. Some original letters from your mother in the early 1980s, even inventories of things that your mother was sending to uh, to from El Salvador to Costa Rica to you know to help with taking care of the kids and historical uh, photos out of out of newspapers and family photos and everything. Yeah. Right? Yep. And it was a bit, I, I guess, a mix of creative writing and journal entries. And I think I sort of cut my teeth writing on Anna's Miracle, where I started and I didn't really know how to write online. And not that a lot of my work has been read widely, but you know, I've had a couple posts now that have been read. Uh, two of the posts were read, you know, three to four thousand times. I think one is up to five thousand times now, which is pretty cool. You know, like to to have that many people read something that you wrote. When I started this, you know, there were only maybe twenty people reading it, and it just ha- happened to be that you were one of those twenty. Well, I think more than twenty should read this ebook. <laughs> What, I don't know, a couple of observations. One is that the cover is, this is always, it's fascinating to me, and I think there's, there's strange parallels in, here in the U.S. It's the photo of your birth mother, Anna Malagro Escobar, and it's the colorized version. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's interesting, probably it was taken in the 1970s, right? And it's similar to what people did in the U.S. I don't even know what the, the historical period was, but where where uh, everything's colorized and, in fact, the dress pattern is drawn in and the hairstyle is altered. Mm-hmm. And you have that version and you also have an unaltered version. Not in this document, but you have it at your home. Right, yeah. I think I use that one because that was given to me by my family in maybe 1997, 98, when I was visiting in in Central America. And, you know, it is this, it's, uh, I think it's an 8 by 11 colorized version of the this, of oh. her small sort of ID photo. So it was blown mm-hmm. up and then someone colored it in. And that was the one, I had that on my dresser for several years. And so I think that because it was accessible and because I was calling the the document and the site Anna's Miracle, that seemed like the logical choice to put on there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I called the website Anna's Miracle because my mother's name was Anna Milagro and the site is Anna's Miracle. So it's like her... And Milagro means miracle. Right. Yes. That was part of my, you know, thinking or naming at the time, I don't know. And the ebook starts off with Ava introducing things. Yeah. I'm so. wondering how much obviously, I mean you you help drive this and, and you write the majority of the text, but mm-hmm. but I'm wondering what role your brother and sister played in wanting to put the book together and in helping to put the book together. So the blog started as a project to help my mother, Margaret, write her book, uh, Missing Mila, Finding Family. She sat uh, myself and Ava down. I think this was in 
2005 during my graduation. She was asking us questions about our birth mother, Ana Milagro. And I don't think at the time Ava and I were ready to talk about it or really knew how to ex express ourselves. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the next two years, because I started the blog in 2007, we, I think we got to a place where we could start to talk about it more. So the blog was our outlet where we could write and talk about our feelings or our thoughts about the story, about what happened to us. And so I write about what it was like to be reunited with my family, what I remember, or how I remembered it at the time. I wrote about, uh, you know, the being separated from my family, um, the shootout in Honduras. And Ernesto and Ava also contributed. Uh, you know, Ava did the intro, as you said, that was her sort of opening. And Toto wrote his own. And I think we were all searching for the words to just tell our story and be okay with what happened, something like that. And so I think that that's really where the, the blog got its start. And I, I guess the film too, it, it went from one project to the other. Before doing the blog, you had, you guys shared the story, you know, in a, a, a lot of different ways, but you hadn't, this is sort of the external sharing of your story. Is yeah. The, well, I, I mean, we were letting it out or getting it out or, yeah, it's interesting what you said. Like, sort of a we don't know how the world will perceive it, but here it is, right? Like, accept it yeah. as it is. Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it, we would tell people when we were talking face to face, but I think that this was, as you're pointing out, the first sort of external public um, telling of the story. I can remember that there were two events in 2006 and 2007 that okay. led me to, to start the blog. One, so this would be like 10 years after your reunion. Yeah. So one, one event was I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about sort of the, the promise of the internet. And there's this great quote that I've, I think I've talked a, a couple times about. But this guy, he worked at Microsoft, uh, Robert Red, Redholtz or something. I forget exactly his name. Anyway, he says, now anyone with a library card can be published, and for that reason, the world has changed. And what, what he was saying, I think, is that we all now have the ability to, to speak our mind and to be heard. And I think we're seeing that more and more with social media, where people are, are tweeting about stuff and kind of, you know, for better or worse, we all have a voice more than we did before. That's kind of what he's getting at. And then the second part was I watched a movie called Freedom Riders. And I, and I don't Which is in the ebook. Which is in the ebook, yes. And I don't remember, I don't think the movie was that great. I, it was okay. But this film was based on a true story. Or, you know, there were the Freedom Riders were an actual group of kids. I don't know how realistic the movie was. But the thought that kind of sparked it was if these kids could write with pen and paper and tell their story and, you know, go through all of this stuff just to be heard. And this other quote is saying, now we all have the opportunity to be heard because of the internet. 
what's my excuse? Why am I not telling my story? Because the platform's here, the opportunity is here, what am I waiting for? So I think that that it was that realization that pushed me to start the blog and to start telling our story. And as we've said, it was very rough and raw and it wasn't, you know, um, I don't. I don't think the ebook's rough and raw. I, I keep saying oh, that, but yeah, no, no, no. But I, I think that just the beginning, you know, I, I just mm-hmm. kind of threw it up there, and you know, and like the ebook yes. was a. I took all the posts and I cleaned them up as best as I could, and I tried to design it as best as I could, you know. So it was, mm-hmm. you know. So, but so, if if you were gonna be in Costa Rica at a family reunion and. You'd sit down in front of the camera that night and interview three people, and and that was it. Yeah, and then you'd post it. Yep. It, it wasn't a whole lot of editing or anything. Yeah. No, 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 it's no editing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're great, very authentic, you know, very earnest interviews as a result. You know. Yeah. Looking back, I mean, I wanted to do this topic today because I think it brings us you know, sort of the purpose of our blog nowadays is to bring us back to the, in touch with the why, right? Yep. How do you think the why has evolved? Or do you think it has evolved from this podcast? Let's, uh, you know, forget mm-hmm. the trip and the, the documentary. and the, What about this podcast? This talking to Danny and and Derek and Peter Cassidy and Ralph Sprinkles and your mom and you know, like, and I'm leaving a ton of people out. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think in terms of doing 50 of these? Well, I think that, you know, the why back then was simply just to tell our story and to kind of get it out. It was a release, you know, almost therapeutic as, as you were pointing out. And I think now the why has kind of shifted and it's more about, um, telling the story, but also, uh, you know, telling it, I'm I'm not sure how to say this, but like, uh, there are more people involved, you know, it's not just you uh, trying to work through the issues. It's you talking about the issues, educating people. Um, You're both representing and bringing more people along, you know, both both with like the history and the educational stuff, but even like la- the last two weeks podcast where we've been talking about issues of identity and ad- adoption, you know, like those mm-hmm. are things where you're, you know, maybe people can learn something from the, from what I've been through and, and maybe it'll help them deal with their situation in a better way. So it becomes this thing that's a little bigger than, than just you telling your story where you have more people uh, kind of involved and listening and supporting and, and part of the process. So. I also think, and Lindsay, our new producer, has helped us a lot with this, right? Yep. Who, who did your interview last week. The focus here is is really on the connecting it to other people. It's, it's to me, one of the most rewarding things has been interviewing other disappeared or, or Salvadoran adoptees who made be Salvadoran adoptees. Maybe they were or weren't disappeared. They're figuring that out now. And I, I, and also on the other side of that, there's so much of your story that you, you think you probably lived alone with all the time. And then these people just 
it's on the tip of their tongues with everything they're about to say is you know, yeah. these common experiences yeah. you know so in 2007 was the first time that i i'd ever met another disappeared child you know uh, 2007 2007 so wow. for a 10 year period i pretty much thought i was alone or i hadn't met anyone else and I remember, um, and hopefully we can get her on, but um, uh, Suzanne, I, I remember reading her article in the the Boston Globe one morning, and she's the same age as me. She disappeared from her family around the same time as me. And know. she lives in the Boston area. And she lives in the Boston area. And, and it was just like this feeling of, oh, my God, there's someone else out there like me. Yeah, we've come a long way. Or I've maybe come we a can long include way. a link for people to her PHR news conference she did with you, so people yeah. can see. Yeah. Yeah, but it, things have changed a lot since then. From a time where I felt very alone, s somewhat isolated, and didn't really know how to deal with it, and now we're interviewing people who, as you point out, can express some of the things that I feel, maybe in a, maybe in a different way or have thought about things differently and, and we've gone through similar experiences, but they have a, a different way of, of talking about it that that's useful for me as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I like to think too that, I mean, this is, this is a story about life after war, right? Your story. And I like to think that getting all these people, to, to make a recording that anybody could go listen to. Maybe some student at UC Santa Cruz or I don't know what, what you know, we'll, we'll find this five years from now or maybe some, we, we'll find, we find this now. We see statistics on Google and, uh, you know, we sort of get a sense of what areas of the country people are listening and there's some academics that have reached out to us and stuff like that and I, and I hope people are finding it. And I think that these very personal accounts speak to life after war. And there's a lot of wars going on right now where maybe these types of conversations can help provide more context for these random news headlines that sometimes we're, we don't feel as in touch with. Like 100,000 people have died in Syria. Maybe a, a better example is during Iraq, Dick Cheney talked about implementing the Salvadoran solution in that country. And uh, and people don't even know what the hell that means to this day. That's a more concise saying of what I was thinking. Yeah. this The story is very complex. And I think that each of these voices, whether it's Ralph Sprankles or one of the other Salvadoran adoptees, helps you wrap your head around the, that complexity. I, I think it's important to look at wars in a complex way and and, uh, and try and understand them the way we understand events in our own country because there's a war in a country, it's affecting millions of people. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I just go from this being a very personal endeavor, right, to, to uh, there's a more general context that's also important. I think that is a great place to end it, uh, okay. especially because we've been going way longer than I was hoping for. Well, you can cut out all my rambles, yeah, <laughs> which are a lot. <laughs>
Well, anyway, uh, this has been great. Thank you uh, for everyone who's been listening. This is the, you know, year one, or we're entering our second season now of the podcast. So thank you for being here with us and we'll be back next week. And And if, if you're listening and you think you have something to say, we'd love to have you on. So reach out to us, please. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so we will be back next week with something. (laughs) We don't know yet. (laughs) Um, But we, we will see you next week. Thanks a lot.